uh, because of Memorial Day and because of camping. We met some dudes, we met some people, uh, we met some partners who are literally camping like <laughs> 10 minutes away from here. Uh, like, <laughs> like, how is that camping? I thought you were supposed to go like an hour away. Um, but yeah, that camping culture is so interesting to me. But again, hey, if you're new here, my name is Brian, one of the pastors on staff. Uh, and, and we're going to be starting just, a, we're going to be starting a mini-series, okay? Um, I, I, if you haven't heard, Jim is, is going on sabbatical in a few weeks, uh, and um, he said, hey, why don't you start a series? And so the series we're going to be in is uh, 1 Corinthians, all right, 1 Corinthians. Um, 1 Corinthians is a, a very interesting book for us. Um, if you guys want to put the graphic up there, you can. Um, it's going to be a really interesting book for us uh, because it's going to address some problems in the church, uh, but it's also going to be addressing some issues, all right, or some concerns that the church of Corinth had, all right? Uh, and, and let me be real with you guys really quick. Um, this first, first part of this series is going to be, it, it might offend you guys, all right? Um, you might feel judged, <laughs> Okay, uh, you might just really be angry with me, all right? Well, but, but I hope you could, my goal is to be faithful to the Scripture, uh, to be faithful to the Lord, um, and just to be able to show you guys what God is trying to tell us uh, personally and, and the church, okay? And so this first, this first part is going to be dealing with sin, right? Sin within the church. Um, and it, it, it's not just any sin, it's sexual sin of all things, okay? And yes, we're going to be talking about um, sex before marriage. We're going to be talking about homosexuality. We're going to be talking about those things because it, it is a church issue, um, which we'll, we'll explain a little more. So uh, here's some quick facts about Corinth, okay? Some quick facts about the church of Corinth. It's going to be up on the screen. There's four facts. Our Apostle Paul, who was formerly known as Saul, all right, uh, planted this church. Okay? He planted this church in Corinth. It was also uh, a city that was pretty much on a port. So what would happen, all, food, cultures, different people would all enter into this city. So with this city, there was just a ton of, like, think of it as um, the New York City on, on an ocean. All right, on an ocean. You know what I mean, a melting pot. All right, there's a ton of things uh, that you could get, a ton of things you could eat, a ton of things you could learn. Um, all right, it was just this place where there was a ton of religion. It was not like West Michigan where everyone is a Christian somehow, right, uh, where everyone has heard about Jesus. In Corinth, not many people have heard about Jesus. It was a very lost city, uh, right? Thirdly, right, it was a very erotic city. Right? One of their favorite gods was this sexual god, right? Who just loved sexual things, right? And if, if you're a kid in here, I'm sorry. Um, there is kids' church, but, right, it was an erotic city. That's just what it was. Right? And also in this city, it was a very educated city, okay? It was, people were super intelligent, they valued education. Okay, um, 
They valued the way someone spoke. They valued if they were an eloquent speaker, right? They valued vocabulary. It was a super smart city, right? They were too, so smart that they would justify simple things that God said, hey, this is wrong, right? And this is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, just that first part, uh, he says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. There's actually sexual immorality among you. Okay? So, um, before I go further, I I really just want us to, I I just want to pray for us, um, because this is a a really uncomfortable, for me personally, right, Uh, reading this scripture, I I really had to assess my life, had to assess my marriage, had to really say, man, am am I being a hypocrite? Um, talking about sin, talking about sexual immorality, right? Because it's such a heavy topic. Um, and so I, I just want to pray for us, uh, for the Lord to soften our hearts, for the Lord to really speak to our hearts. Um, and if you do get offended, right, that is not my goal. Right? My goal is not to, to say, say something and you be like, oh my gosh, this church is judging me. Right? This church is not welcoming. This church hates people like me. Right? That, that's not my goal. My goal is simply to share God's truth with love and boldness and compassion. And if you are offended, maybe that's the Holy Spirit within you speaking to you. And maybe the question you have to ask yourself is, why am I offended at this? Why am I offended that someone is talking about, man, this is sin? Right, so let me pray for us. God, um, I, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for um, for for all our, our partners, even watching online. Um, thank you for w- weekends like this that we could just enjoy uh, as a church body. I pray that you will speak through me and that you will soften the heart of everybody here, including me, and that you'll convict us, you'll speak to us, and, man, if there's anything we need to really turn away from, God, um, may you reveal those things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, Bruce, if you're up there, is, is there feedback coming through? Okay. That's just me? Okay. I slept at 2.30 yesterday, so I'm easily irritable right now, so sorry about that. (laughs) Okay, Um, I'll do my best here. So, right, in 1 Corinthians 5, 1, it says this, um, just that simple phrase, it's actually reported among you that there is sexual immorality among you, all right, that there's sexual immorality among you. Can you... um, Who's ever on the sides, can you please track with me as best as you can? Okay, sorry. Sorry, I'm being super mean <laughs> right now. <laughs> All right, the, the, the first part, right? The first part of the scripture says, it is actually reported uh, that there is sexual immorality among you. All right? And how this is defined, how sexual immorality is defined, right? In the Greek, it's this word called porneia. 
Okay, I'm sure you guys, this might be the first time you've ever heard about that, uh, or you have heard about this word, porneia, right? It's where we get the word porn from, right? And, and what sexual, immorality, sexual um, immorality, immorality is, right? Um, it, it could go, it ranges to a lot of things, right? Same-sex sexual acts. Sex before marriage, right? Lust, right? Looking at someone in a lustful way, desiring someone else other than your a significant other, your in particular your wife and um, uh, and your husband, right? Um, cheating, all right? Trafficking, strip clubs, okay? Right? Now, it, there's an array of things that fall under this term sexual immorality, okay? That's what it is. And this is what it is. I know some of those words might be um, just, just pretty graphic, but Paul is not trying to hold back here. He's trying, he's trying to say there is actually something going on within the church, and it is very sexual. In particular, right, he goes down and uh, Reading more into verse uh, 1, he says, look, there's actually sexual immorality among you, a kind of sexual, sexual immorality that is not even accepted amongst unbelievers, amongst pagans. So if I went to a random person on the street and I said, look what's going on. This is what's happening within this church. What do you think about it? They would say, bro, that is, that is just wrong. And the specific sin that he calls out, right, is that there is a man sleeping with his father's wife, right? Paul is saying, look, I could go out to a KFC and Burger King right now and ask an employer and say, hey, is it okay for a son to be sleeping with his dad's wife, right? That's just gross, right? And Paul is calling it out, and he's saying, look, this is going on within the church, guys. This is, this is outright happening, and you guys are not doing anything about it. Right? And, and, and the words he uses here is that, that it's not even tolerated amongst Gentiles. You guys are not doing anything about this sin. If anything, you guys are welcoming it in. I think for J. Rowe, there, there are some sins that we tolerate. There are some sins that we clearly tolerate, right? Uh, people living together and not being married. Look, the act of, not living, of, of living together is not sinful, right? But you can't tell me that you did not desire, man, I, can't, I am going to have sex with this woman or man that I'm living with. 99% of the, I'm making a, up a statistic, 99%. 99.9%, right, if a man and a woman who are not married are living together, you can't tell me you haven't done anything that is immoral. You can't tell me that. If you're a dude and you're living with a man, man, that, I guess that works too, right, and you're, and you're living with someone you are really attracted to, you're going to tell me you haven't thought things and you haven't approached because you guys are living together, right? I, I understand, right? I'm, I'm picking that out for us as a church because it happens a lot within West, West Michigan, 
Right? People enter into these Christian churches and, and they're like, oh, I just want to be in a place that feels safe. And they find out this sin and nothing is done about it. Right? Drinking, drinking is a big part of our culture. Right? Have you ever heard of someone say, I don't get drunk. I, I like to drink, but I don't, I don't get drunk. Little do you know, like they're downing a whole bottle of whiskey every single week. And you're just like, is that okay? <laughs> I guess it's okay because he's acting a little normal, but he's a little more playful than usual, but he's still himself. Look, right? I'm not a big drinker, okay? But you can't tell me that if you drink down a whole bottle of whiskey every single week, your tolerance goes up. No, it's going to affect you, right? And it, it, <laughs> the truth is you are a drunkard in a way. Right? That, that's an open sin I think J. Rhodes struggles with. Right? And, and I, I think there's a, some other sins that J. Rhodes struggles with um, that we actually hide. Right? Guys, if you're, guys and girls, if you're being honest, man, like the, there is a porn problem within the church. No one wants to talk about it. Right? You got porn in your pocket. But we, wanna, we don't want to admit that it's a problem. Guys, it's, it's, it's a complete problem. And the church has to address it. Right? And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, there, there's a problem in the church that we are, by not saying anything, right? When someone is caught in sin, when a believer who is in active sin, right, and, and we clearly see it and we do not say nothing, that's a problem. That's a big problem. Right? And this is what Paul says in verses 2 and 3. Right? He, he tells the Corinthians, he said, you are arrogant. You should be filled with grief and remove from her congregation the one who did this. Even though I am absent in body, I am present in spirit as one who is present uh, with you. Okay? Um, in this way, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who has been doing such a thing, right? Paul says this. He says, guys, by not saying anything about someone who you know who is in active sin, I'm talking about someone who is part of the body, someone who claims to be a brother and sister in Christ, someone who claims to be a believer, a disciple of Jesus, right? If someone is in active sin and you see it, and you know it, right? And you don't say nothing about it. You are unknowingly affirming and you are unknowingly welcoming this sin in. Right? For the, Corinth, for the Corinthian people, they saw this man be like having a relationship with his father's wife. Right? But to them, they were like, you know what? If he just keeps coming to church, right, uh, maybe one day he'll get to know Jesus. Do you see how crazy that is? Right? That's like allowing an active rapist within your home and saying, you are welcome here. You are welcome to, to, to eat dinner with us, with our kids. You're welcome to do that. You know why? Because God loves you. You are so welcome here. God wants you, you active rapist. 
do you see how much danger that is? Someone who is in active sin is a danger to the church, is a danger to your family. And Paul is saying, don't be proud of that. Don't be proud of being a church that's saying, we welcome sin in. If you're in sin, we will love you. It's okay. That's what was going on in the Corinthian church. And that's what can happen to us here. I pray we're a church right, that's not okay with that. I pray we become a church that does call out sin. If there is a brother, a sister in Christ who is actively in sin, we simply, in love, in truth, and in honesty, and in compassion, we simply say, hey, I'm sorry, I just got to say something. I love you, but I do not want you to live in death. Sin is death. Romans says that. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. I'm sure you parents understand when you see your kid living in debauchery, it hurts you. Right? And, and you have to say something because you want what's best for your kid. You want your kid to live the life that, one, that you worked super hard for, for them, but at the same time, you understand the pain and the hurt that sin can cause. And this is what Paul is saying. This could happen within the church. If we do not call it out, right, it could affect the church, right, and we're not doing our job as a church. So Paul does give us, right, Paul does give us um, a few pointers of how to deal with sin within the church, okay? And the truth is, right, if you're here and you're like, man, this is a really judgy sermon, um, Paul answers more in the verses, uh, we are responsible for our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Paul gives us two things. Here's what it looks like to care and properly judge someone who claims to be a brother and sister in Christ. I want you to understand why I'm not saying, talking about the world. I want you to understand why I'm using language that is specific to the body of Christ. You are my brother. You are my sister in Christ. Okay? I'm not talking about the world. And he's saying, here's what you need to do, right? When someone who is in active sin, here's how you properly assess this thing. Right? You have done all you can to, to talk to this person, and they are, they're just living in sin. Right? They're just continuing doing what they want to do. Right? Um, and, and here's what Paul says in, in verses uh, 4 and 5. He says, When you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, I am with you. Spirit, um, I am with you in spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus. Hand that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that is his spirit, uh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. How to, to deal with an unrepentant brother uh, and sister of Christ. He says this, hand that person over to Satan, remove him from the body in hopes that they will turn from their ways and turn to the Lord. Right? If someone who is stuck in sin, if there is someone actively stuck in sin and they don't want to change, they don't want Jesus 
Right? They, they say they're a fellow, a believer in Christ, right? And, they, and, and they're saying, hey, I am with you guys. I'm just like you. I'm, in the, uh, I'm, I'm with the body, right? But guess what? I'm also loving my sin. Here's what Paul says. Look, you need to hand that person over to Satan, and you got to remove them from the church. Guys, I'm not saying this lightly. I'm not saying that if you just sinned this morning, oh, man, you got to leave the church. No, 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 right? I'm saying we have done everything that we could, right, to tell you and point you to Jesus and say, look, this is how, this is what God's truth says. This is why it's wrong. And if you want to continue living in that, we as a church have a responsibility. We as a people have a responsibility to say, hey, man, if you're going to continue in this, we got to ask you, to leave. Right? It's like, it's like a kid who's super disruptive in class. Okay? Super disruptive in class, and um, they're just acting a fool. Right? If you ever worked with a youth group before, you understand this, that kids can act a fool. Do you continue just to let them act a fool? No. Because what they do Right? It's contagious. When you got a disrespectful kid, right, it can cause others to be disrespectful. It's contagious. That's what sin is. It is an infection that can grow. And so this is why Paul says this is why you need to remove the person who is in active sin from the church because it is, right, it is contagious. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, 8. He says, your boasting is not good. You're welcoming in sin. You're affirming in sin is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven uh, leavens the whole batch of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as indeed you are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been um, sacrificed. Therefore, let us observe the feast not with old leaven or with the leaven of malice and evil, but the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. You bakers out there are just like, ooh, I understand this uh, illustration, um, right? Have, if you ever baked before, if you ever made bread, I'm, I, I've never made bread before, so, <laughs> right? If you ever have worked with yeast or whatever, uh, apparently you put yeast into some dough and it grows, right? <laughs> there we go, <laughs> right? And, and, and this is what Paul is saying, right? He's saying, look, Sin is like yeast, right? You add it in with the healthy people, right? You add it in long enough, that sin will grow. If that person is actively, right, um, let's just say they are in an active party here who just loves to get drunk and hook up with people, right? And he finds other people who have struggled with that, who want to leave that life, right? He finds those people and he says, yo, you, this is not bad. This is okay. Guys, come, come with me. Come with me, right? Sin attracts other sinful things, right? And, and this is what Paul is saying. Look, if you allow sin to continue in your body, it will spread. Um, here's, here's a little thing. I, I'm sure everyone has done this, has made a volcano, right? Um, this is what sin looks like, right? Uh, it's, it could be a simple thought, a simple lustful thought, right? And this is what happens, right? It just starts to fizzle up, 
little by little, right? It's just a little baking, baking soda, and it's fizzing up this whole entire pitcher of vinegar. This is what sin looks like, right? This is what sin looks like, right, if we don't do anything about it, right? If the church just continues just to welcome it in, and, and you just keep putting it in, like, this is, this is what happens, right? If we do not do anything about sin, this is what is going to happen. It's going to cause a big mess. Right? And this is what Paul is saying. You have to remove it. Because if you do not, it is going to cause a problem and cause a big mess. Sin is contagious. But so is the love of God. Sin caused death, but Christ's life, it caused life. It gave us life. His death, his resurrection, it beats out sin. And that's why as a church, we need to represent right, what Christ is. Second thing. Um, you know what's funny? Uh, in, in youth group, because I, I obviously work with students here, um, I always find it funny when you ask a kid to pray, right? When you ask a kid to pray, they're like, ah, I don't, I don't know how to pray. I'm like, okay. And then you ask the other kid, same exact response, I don't know how to pray. Right? You ask another kid, they're like, I don't pray in public. Right? It's super contagious. Okay? That, that, that's what sin is. It's contagious. It can cause harm if we do not remove it. And so second thing that Paul says, right, what do we do about sin? An active sinner, right? We remove them, and he says this in verse 9. He says, I wrote to you in a letter not to associate with sexual immoral people. I did not mean that immoral people of the world or the greedy swindlers, idolaters, otherwise you would have to leave the world. Do you see what Paul is saying? I am not talking about the world out there. I am talking about the world in here. He says, but actually I wrote to you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister. Do you see that language? But I actually wrote to you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister and is sexually immoral, greedy, an idolater, and verbally abusive, a drunkard, a swindler. Do not even eat with such a person. If you know a brother and sister who is in active sin and you have talked to them, and you have done everything you, have, you can, you remove them from your life, you remove them from the church, and they say, do not hang out with them any longer. Right? Remember Jesus' parable of the prodigal son. Right? When the dad just says, you want to squander your stuff? Go ahead. Do it. And maybe you'll come back to me. And in the end of that parable, right, he does come back. That's the hope. That's the hope when we remove sin, when we remove an active sinful person, when we remove uh, a brother and sister in Christ because they are an active sin and do not want to turn from their sin, right? Our hope is that they will come back. Guys, I, I know this is not the greatest. <laughs> Memorial Day sermon. 
I know it's not this encouraging thing. Uh, I know it's a heavy thing. Right? Because we're, we're, we're dealing with a human life here. We're dealing with someone who, who, has, who has eternity within them um, and, and can either be with Jesus forever or not. Right? And, and, and we're also making a judgment that God is asking us to do. My hope, right, if, if, if I ever am unrepentant of sin, I hope you practice this on me. My hope as, as, as a leader, as a whatever, as a husband, is that the church will do this to me. If I ever, if I ever did something stupid to my wife, I hope you guys would call me out and say, bro, <laughs> it's time for you to go. This is some high accountability stuff. That's why if you ever fall into that lie, if you ever hear people say, uh, I'm a Christian, uh, but I don't, go to a home, I don't have a home church uh, because I could have church at home by myself. Hey, no, that, that's wrong. How are you going to be accountable? Who's going to hold you accountable? Right. This keeps us accountable. This keeps the church the way it should be. Um, in the last few verses, he says, for what business is it of mine to judge others, uh, to judge outsiders? Do you judge those who are inside? Um, don't you judge those who are inside? God judges the outsiders. Remove the evil person from among you. Um, right. There it is. That whole lie of you can't judge me is false. Because if you are a, a believer, a brother, a sister of, in Christ, and you say you are a disciple of Jesus, you are saying, if I'm actively in sin and I am not turning away from it, I want you to do this to me. God is saying, if there is someone who is in active sin and they do not want to turn, your job as a body of Christ, our job as a church, is to remove it, to disassociate from it. If we do not do that, we are not being obedient to what Christ has called the church to do. Again, I am not talking about what's happening at Target, Bud Light, whatever other company that's making some random pickup truck that's super colorful. Who cares? That's not our business. I love, as Christians, we are so passionate about what the heck is going on in the world. Guess what? The world is sinful. It is broken. It is messed up. What else do you expect from it? It don't know Jesus, but you do. We do. If we don't get it right here in the church, if we don't properly assess ourselves before the Lord, right, what hope does the world actually have? If we're supposed to be this beacon of hope and we are not properly assessing sin here, the world will be even more broken because we're supposed to be the people who are lights to the world. Some of us are so concerned about what's, how the world is, is going and all that stuff when there's, the church is more messed up more than ever because we have allowed sin to reign 
Guys, I, I say this with, with as much love, as much faithfulness to God's word. If there is sin in your life on a personal level, if there's some sin in your life that God is asking you to remove, please remove it. It's only going to damage you. It's only going to hurt you. It's only going to make you a better, a, a worse father, a worse husband, just a worse friend. Right? If there's anything hidden, please bring it up to light. Confess it. Because if we do this right, if we are faithful to the Lord and we're faithful to his word, we're faithful to his truth, do you know what happens when someone of the world enters in, right? They'll look at the church and say, okay, this is the real deal. And what I want the real deal to be defined as is a church that is faithful to, to God's word. They called out my sin, but yet they loved me. They do not want me to be the same person as, as I entered in. I challenge you guys, if there's some things that God is asking you to remove again, please, please change. Be different. Be who God is calling you to be. Another thing Jericho Road Church has a struggle with is uh, this, this has nothing to do with the sexual and moral stuff, but, but just crude joking. I'm part of that, right? <laughs> it's real funny, it's, but it's real hard, but it's real dishonoring to the Lord. Right? Lately, I've been wanting to send text messages just to, to buddies and say, like, to take a joke further, and God has just been stopping me from sending another text. You know memes, right? Memes can be so funny initially, but you could take them so much, so far. You could take emojis so far. But I pray God, we're, we're a people, right? When God stops our minds, stops our fingers, stops our thumbs, right, that we'll, we'll be obedient to that. If God is calling you to remove some sin in your life, man, please do it. Confess it to the Lord. Ask him for forgiveness. And if you are in active sin and, and, and you feel this judgment, my prayer is that you will repent and turn away from what you are actively doing. Right? Jesus is not out here looking at you and saying, man, I can't wait to kill this person. I can't wait to strike this person down. No, that's not his goal. His goal is to give you life, peace, joy, Right? He, his goal is to give you life right, that you can't even imagine. That's why he died on the cross for us. Right? That's why he asked us, if you surrender your life to him, you get life. You could taste a little bit of what heaven is like here on this earth, but once you die, you get life. Let me pray for us. God, I pray Jericho Road Church is, is a church um, that is not okay with sin. I pray we become a church um, that actually knows how to deal with sin. Uh, because you showed us how, and that's through Jesus. God, I pray we become a church that allows the gospel to actually infect us, 
to permeate through our body, to permeate through the body of the church, and that we can represent and reflect what the gospel of Jesus is. God, I pray we become a church that is never numb to sin. Before looking at what the world is doing, may we look at the inside. May we look at, hey, how are we doing as a church? Um, man, that's what church health looks like. That's what a true gospel love in church looks like. This is what a, it, it hates, it absolutely hates, hates sin because sin is what killed our Savior, your sin. My sin that killed our Savior, that is why he had to die. God, I pray you keep speaking to us today. Um, I pray just as a a speaker, as a teacher, uh, I was able to be faithful to your word. And um, if there's anyone offended here today, God, I I just pray... um, you help them process through those things or, or they come up to me and, and we'll process through what they were offended about. God, you are love, you are kind, you are patient. And we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.